Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on Friday the 3rd of June 2011. For newcomers, look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are there for free download. There's hundreds to choose from. Hopefully it'll give you an understanding of this massive, massive system, this superstructure around the world, all interlocking, that really is above all governments. It intertwines with them, of course, in fact, it puts them in place, but uh, it really orders them. And this is a system that's been going on for an awful long time, planned long, long before you were born or your parents or your grandparents. And the, the big members of it at the time wrote in their own memoirs how this system would come to be, this world government and how we'd have an ordered kind of socialist uh, society. They picked, they picked socialism because it's the most ordered, fastest way to get order amongst the public using psychology and the social sciences to indoctrinate children and then perpetual augmentation all done through your life to reinforce it all. So that's been done. And we, we're born into the system. We think it's normal. Our parents think it's normal. And they don't warn you. So therefore, like any other mammal, we think it's all quite natural. And what, what other system could there possibly be? No one has an idea that it's all planned that way. The fashion designs for the generations, the movies that you'll watch, the topics that will be popular, it's all given to you by culture creators at the very top to bring in this uh, world order. And, of course, the big banking system, the international boys behind it too, uh, prefer socialism. They don't like individualism at all. Individualism has always been a problem down through the ages, and the United Nations itself has said that individualism is its biggest enemy. So that's why you're going into the collective society, and that's why you all have to agree on the same topics and groupthink and all the rest of it. So, as I say, go into cuttingthroughmates.com, help yourself. Remember, too, you can buy the books and discs I have for sale. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. Cash is fine. And remember, too, that PayPal can be sent. Uh, send the donation. Uh, you see the donation button on the com site and follow it up with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you across the world. Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. That's what you've got to use there. Remember, too, all the sites listed on the com site have transcripts in English for uh, print-up. And you can go into Alan Watts Sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. And um, this massive superstructure, as I say, it seems, it seems like it's impossible when you haven't heard about it before. It isn't until you go into the United Nations and read the books of the members who set up the United Nations and what their goals and dreams happen to be, that you'll find out what it's really all about. You'll find your governments for, since it was set up, have been signing treaty after treaty, many every single year, not only in the financial scale and system inside, but also in the sociological side and uh, under the guise of socialism and human rights, etc., they're actually promoting various causes for the type of world society 
which they hope to bring. Well, actually, it's actually here already, as you can probably tell by all the topics that come out in the mainstream media, which again is all part of this indoctrination system. The last thing you're supposed to do is to go off and study yourself and decide which books to study, interpret them yourself. You don't need a professor to tell you what some guy wrote in the past. If you read the book yourself, why do you need the professor? Well, the professor is there to make sure that you come away understanding it the way that he wants you to understand it, which is the way that he was taught to understand it. And it's the same with anything else that that you read. I actually wonder why they had um, seminaries for Christianity, for instance. Uh, Because you can all read the book, the only book they can go by. So why do you need someone to interpret to see it this way and that way? Oh, he really meant this back after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cunning through the matrix and just talking about the big system, the big superstructure and how it interlaces with other parts of its own system. You think there's so many different independent organizations, social organizations in the world, you'll find they're all connected together working along the same, the same uh, direction towards this world government and they're all connected at the hub which is of course United Nations. You'll find that as I say, if you go into all the organizations under the United Nations, you'll find out who they are. And look at the, the contributors to the private corporations that contribute to the United Nations. as a tax writer, of course, but it comes along with the social agendas that they push as well. All the big boys are in on the same thing. Every country is being standardized into the one global system. And uh, most of the public are unaware of it. They still think they're living in Britain. They still think they're living in Canada, the U.S. and and elsewhere. But they're really living under a global system. We've been under it for quite some time. And even Obama's using the excuse to go off to war, seeing the U.N. gave him permission. Uh, So the, the U.N., of course, for many, many years, claimed that its members were supposed to go off to war when they chose the target, the actual United Nations itself, its military wing. And uh, they could never get all the members on board until recently. And so now that's a great excuse to go off to war. Well, the UN told us so. And that gets uh, presidents and prime ministers kind of off the hook as far as the public are concerned. Like, oh, well, what can you do? Now, tonight I I was going to touch on the United Nations in a couple of different areas because uh, they're always in the news. And they have been since the Bosnian conflict, in fact, almost daily, but made sure that they've made sure that uh, you hear the United Nations uh, coming across the media in some one of its organizations, one of its many organizations all the time. So we're used to hearing about them. But before that, it was just once in a blue moon you heard about them. Now they're up to uh, full source, so we all hear about them. And all the political agendas come from them. Your building codes from, come from them. Tonight I'm putting up a PDF. It's called International Property Maintenance Code. You didn't know there was an international property maintenance code? Well, now you do, because um, uh, we've all been under it for quite some time, from your plumbing, electrical supplies, to how you can build, where you can build, and everything else. Uh, it's all done through that. Your government rubber stamps it and puts it into its own building codes. But now they've got maintenance as well. And the idea of this maintenance, too, is, uh, especially if you're rural especially, but also in towns, 
is to do with updating all the standards that you'll have to go by. You could put a brand new septic in, uh, tank in, for instance, one year, and it could be obsolete if they upgrade it uh, two years later. And it's all meant to wear you out until you can't afford to live anymore and you move into the slums in the city because that's Agenda 21 we're talking about, and it's all here. Now, there's uh, also an article here I want to read about, and it's called An Organic Fairy Tale. It's about perceptions. We've all heard about organic and and, and, uh, GM food, genetically modified food, and we don't understand that our words are constantly being changed for us to alter our perceptions. If you didn't alter your perception... Uh, what would the food that you were used to having all along until it was not GM? It was just normal food. It was called normal. But if you were to say normal food and GM food, it would be be kind of against GM food. So they changed it and called it organic, you see. So normal food is now called organic. And, of course, it's priced out of sight. It wasn't before, but now it is priced out of sight, so only wealthier folk can afford it. And um, we're supposed to all eat the GM stuff, the rotten stuff that's being pushed on us, because, as I say, we'll all come down with cancers and various other things. If the insects won't eat this stuff, neither should you. If they're dosing it with, with insecticide, which is a poison, uh, and the plants soak up the poison, why are you eating it? When, when you find out that, uh, that all the tests they did on the GM foods caused um, cancers of the stomach and, and intestines, of, of other mammals, why on earth are you eating it? And why isn't it your government's telling you about this? Well, they want you to eat it because it's part of depopulation. And uh, this is no paranoia. I've read all the articles from the United Nations, and they have a Department of Population, which is population control, and they want the population to come down drastically. Well, how are you going to do it? You're going to ask for volunteers? Of course not. They just step up their inoculation programs that will sterilize you and give you the food that kills you. Now, here's an article here, for instance. It's on bowel cancer. Bowel cancer at one time was incredibly rare. In the 1970s, for instance, they used to list the countries that had hardly any cases of bowel cancer at all. Scotland was one of them. Once the food became really processed and big agribusinesses came in, uh, and, of course, they would use the normal fertilizers. Again, normal is the word. They would start using chemicals from really leftovers from the war uh, industry. And uh, things look like spuds. They look like turnips. They look like food. However, they, have, they don't have the, the nourishment in them. They grow big, but they don't have all the things you need to live on. Plus, they contain all these carcinogenic chemicals. So here's an article here, as I say, about bowel cancer. And this is incredible, really. And this is from uh, ABC News. It says, it says here, bowel cancer is alarming rise in young people. It says, the signs suggest that heavy drinking, lack of fiber, obesity, and smoking are all leading causes of genetic abnormalities that could lead to bowel cancer. Now, it's nonsense because these guys at the top know that fewer folk are smoking today than ever before. And meanwhile, the cancers are going sky, sky high because they won't tell you the real cause of it, which is GM food. It says, Australian oncologists are warning that young people are developing bowel cancer at alarming rates. That was unheard of before for young people. Figures collated by Bowel Cancer Australia over the past 20 years reveal the number of bowel cancer cases found in people aged between 20 and 34 has risen 64%. 64% in 20 years. 
Surgency, here's again, getting in, of course, the usual stuff. Heavy drinking and obesity could be triggering genetic abnormalities, and they're calling on the government to help promote awareness of the disease. But as I say, people are, you know, it's, it's not that they were always heavy. People have all, young people have always been heavy drinkers until they grow up, if they, if they manage to survive that long. Anyway, uh, Surgeon Professor Graham Newstead says cases in people under 35 are not as rare as they once were. He says, he says the rates of bowel cancer in young age groups are growing at such a fast rate that cancer experts are now urging a new policy approach to catching the disease early. This is something you should start te- uh, inspecting people in their 60s for. And now it's under 35. Professor Newstead says it could be the result of a number of reasons, but he won't tell you the real reasons. Yeah. And they know what the real reasons are. And he says, in the younger group, he's been very cautious. He, we think that this is occurring because of a combination of genetic and environmental factors. And these are true increases in what we've been experiencing in the past. So, uh, I guess an example of someone, a 24-year-old woman who was rushed to hospital, had a stillborn child. And then when they were looking in there, she was informed she had bowel cancer after they took out or gave her a complete hysterectomy as well. But as I say, He's younger and younger people are getting it. There's even teenagers getting it now. And it says one of the doctors that performed the sigmoidoscopy came to tell us and she says, look, I'm not an expert in cancer, but I think you might need to prepare yourself because we think it could be cancer. He's meaning off the bowel as well now. We thought that this couldn't possibly be what it is, but then two days later when the biopsy results came back, it was stage four bowel cancer, which had already spread to liver and lymph nodes. It says, um, Newstead says leading scientists are still trying to understand exactly what it is that triggers the disease in young people. Well, what's changed? When you didn't have it before, right? And it skyrocketed in 20 years. What has changed in the environment? And of course, what you do know is uh, what causes cancer definitely established. The first one, of course, is radiation. That will definitely mutate cells into abnormal cells. The second one are certain chemicals that should be present in the body. That's why they give you radiation and poisonous chemicals when you've got cancer. That <laughs> should finish you off. But anyway, uh, it says here we, we discharge the lining cells from the intestines every 10 days so the bowel motions can contain a lot of dead cells and every one of those cells has to be replicated and there are squillions of them, he says. They all replicate perfectly, but just sometimes one cell doesn't. Well, when 60% increase is happening, then something's happened in your intake of something. And, of course, what has changed in your intake, we know it's the, it's the GM food. The stuff not only is designed to create its own pesticides, it's also able to withstand the heaviest doses of sprayed-on herbicides as well. It's soaked up by the plant into its cells, and then you eat it. It's quite simple. It's quite simple. But that is the all government's policies. They must promote this GM stuff because it's part of the big agenda. And you must. That's all you'll get eventually if you're just one of the ordinary people. And the so-called organic, which is normal food, uh, is, is reserved for the ones at the top. And your politicians, you'll get their little ration card to get them into the club. So uh, really, that's really what they're talking about here. And... Um, Getting back to the organic fairy tale, this is an article from the Sovereign Independent. It says, organic is a fraud. Organic is normal food or food that has not been deliberately debased by eugenesis for the purpose of making consumers sterile, sick, and dumb. Dump the term organic and label everything else unfit for human consumption. It is unnatural. 
Monsanto's staff, the European Royal Family Mafia and their governments, the banksters and the American Senate eat real food. And that's true, even Tony Blair, when he was trying to foist it off on the British public, uh, leaked out uh, that um, he mandated that the big massive, they call it cafeterias, like the Ritz, uh, for the politicians to eat in in Parliament, but still get organic food or normal food for themselves, of course. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about or the so-called organic food, which really just natural food, that's what it really means. And if we call it natural food and then opposed to GM food, then GM food, modified food, genetically modified food would be uh, a nasty thing in our perceptions. And that's why they, they like to change this lingo to confuse us so we don't think about it, what they're really actually saying. Anyway, this article here goes on to say, it says... Um, the Monsanto staff, the European Royal Family, Mafia governments, the banksters, and the American Senate eat real food. And it's very, very true. They do eat the real stuff. See, since the Second World War uh, was upgraded and sent underground, food has been used as a weapon by these creeps from the general population to prevent people from waking up to the existence of their attackers. The genocidal maniacs use their media prostitutes to lie about the population bomb. Oh, population bomb. Let me say that since the 1950s, even though the, the, the populations of the Western world were plummeting and, and are still plummeting, by the way. That's why they're bringing so many immigrants. And they're saying that in the major media, at least they're saying that now. It doesn't matter. It's after the fact. And the ones that exist now don't want children. They want to be perpetual teenagers and single. Anyway, it says baby boomers, optimum population, overpopulation, family planning, abortion, euthanasia, the same old worn-out mantra chanted over and over again to try to make us believe we should either exterminate ourselves or make it acceptable for others to do it for us. The only reason for immigration is that for the time, uh, for a time thanks to controlled sterility, there were not enough Western slaves to pay off the national debt to the banksters. And that's what Maggie Thatcher admitted to. So the puppet governments dissolved the borders to allow foreign slaves to flood in and fill the gap. The scam of overpopulation was con- con- to- concocted to justify eugenics through the poisoning of our food. Of course, we, the sheep on the farm, are the last to be told about this culling. Well, we always get nice smiley faces when they're doing the most awful things. And that's how reality is presented to the general population. And I'll put these links up, remember, at the end of the night at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Now, I'll try and grab the... There's Alan from Scotland. It's a long-distance call hanging on there. Are you there, Alan? Hello. Hi there. It's, it's Adam, actually. It's obviously the Scottish accent that's confused them. Um, it's confused them. Okay, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. I've actually, I've, obviously, it's a pleasure to speak to Alan, as usual. Um, I've got a question on the, the hierarchy of this elite. I mean, yep. It's obvious... Um, there's certainly elite that's running the show. There's absolutely no doubt about that as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, it's not conditioned. You can see that. I've got a question on the, the hierarchy of the elite. Yeah. Um, do you think that the top of this elite is, is the heads of these world banking families? They're definitely, closer to the, they're definitely closer to the top. And you, you can find evidence uh, that in Frankfurt, for instance, in the, in the 1700s, and then later in the 1800s, uh, the top banks, uh, bankers there uh, and moneylenders for, for the nations did have a club and they had their meetings. They elected their own uh, chairman by themselves and so on. And they did decide the future naturally because they dealt with all economies. They, they were deciding the future then of countries. 
and, and deliberating who they should fund for war, would, if this country lost, could they pay back their debts and so on. Well, it's never really changed. So whenever you get economics and money and, and, and borrowing, you're always going to have the same bunch at the top. And they definitely are interbred, though there's no doubt about it. And if they're not the top, they're cl- much closer to it. They, they have to be. Um, there's so much perfect um, coordination between all the factors that create society as we know it today and, and shape the generations that are coming out of university now with all their greening. They're, they truly are fanatical now. They've been radicalized. Uh, and they're all ready for the collectivist society and the total socialist system. So it's so perfect. There's definitely a, a, a big hierarchy. But there's also so many think tanks working at the top, and each think tank has its own specialist area. And then they all come together at the United Nations and all the different departments, and then all the countries sign the agreements and put it into law, all from education to everything, from economics to education. So it's so incredibly vast, um, You'll never know exactly who is behind it. Sometimes they give little clues away about the clubs that are higher up there. Uh, Prince Charles has called, called himself at one time, uh, mind you, a lot of crazy things as well, but not surprised from him. But he did say uh, he belonged, he was one of the Olympians. Now, the Olympians, as you know, were the gods of uh, ancient Greece. And they used uh, the, the Olympian club, uh, is a very high uh, high art membership society that certainly has a lot of input in running the world even today. Uh, these are very rich families, very old genealogies, and they're definitely up there, but perhaps not at the top of the tree. But they're they're closer to it. I don't think you'll ever see the real people in public. They'll be incredibly rich. Um, every top politician or, or prime minister or president will know their names. But you'll never, I don't think you'll ever find their names in the newspapers. They don't work. They don't work. They make suggestions. And all the little minions beneath them run to it, make sure things are done. But they never actually give orders as such. When you see a Rockefeller attending world meetings, he's still working. So even though he's high on the hog and he's pushing all the socialist agendas, um, transhumanism, everything, transsexualism, the whole lot, kit and caboodle, um, he's still a worker, basically. Uh, so you can imagine how these guys at the top really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that, that seems to be the case. And any time you see any United Nations or any kind of think tanks, there's always the same, as far as I can see, the same families that are controlling that. But obviously I don't know who's absolutely yes. the peak. As you said, it's probably very difficult to determine that. The, 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 the big the trick, the big trick too, is, yeah, the, the big trick as well is to follow both lineages, the, 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 the male lineage and the female lineage. And uh, that's what confuses us, us, not to them, because they have their own little clubs that have their lineages and keep it all in order for them. Uh, they all know who they are. Uh, but uh, as I say, you have to get both lineages to find out exactly who they are. And, and any name changes at all as well. And they can also adopt certain ones into their families, as the Rothschilds have done as well. Uh, but hang on, I'll be back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Is Alan still on the line, or Adam, I should say, from Scotland? Is he still there? Oh, yeah. Yes. I was going to say to you, 
Another thing to notice too, Scotland, you'd be surprised at the amount of people have come out of Scotland um, and uh, done a lot of meddling with this world order. I mean, the University of Aberdeen has always been one of the leaders, the leading uh, universities for communism and socialism for the world, you know. And the whole idea of solidarity was invented by those guys. And then you find this other odd thing too, is that, you know, the royal family in London, uh, they always have their cup bearers and special bearers for this and so on. Well, it's always been a Scotsman, the, the, the Campbell family, Lord Campbell, who've been in charge uh, of the Great Seal of England. They carry the Great Seal of England for the English. Uh, no one's ever explained this, this strange um, uh, relationship of certain families, and even from countries that you think are outside of the main country, uh, that there are actually characters in places like Scotland that have more power than, than most of the English. Uh, it's never, ever been explained. Yeah. Absolutely. And as far as I can see, for such a small country, um, the amount of corruption in this country over the years is incredible for the size of the country. It's obviously it's tied in big time to the, the, the elite families of the day. Anyway, there's no doubt about that. But obviously the working class is obviously different. We're not aware of that. They're not aware at all. They don't even know in Argyllshire where the Campbells are. That's Lord Campbell again. Uh, you have these Templar graves all over the place because when they escaped from France, that's where they went. And so the Knights Templars were big. Of course, they were the big bankers of their day. And that's where, that's where the word check comes from. They, they gave out the first checks uh, back in the 11th century and 12th centuries. They gave out checks in lieu of money. And because they, they planned, like the H. Checker, there was a chessboard outside, a checkerboard outside in the city of London. That's where they did all their financial arrangements, debts and, and, and profit and so on. And uh, that's why they called it a check. And that's why we spell it in, in Britain differently from America. It's actually from checker, checkerboard, yeah. So they settled in, the, in the, the highlands there, in the western highlands, and they always took the sides of, of a united Britain. Uh, they always went against all the rest of the Scots. Uh, and uh, the Lord Campbells. So it's interesting that they're, they're definitely high, way up high in the tree there and intermarried with a lot of uh, other foreign bigwigs in other countries as well. And, and Scotland also gave them the Bank of England. You know, It was a Scotsman that came down from Calendar and uh, uh, created the whole idea of the Bank of England. And then, of course, they just sat and waited until Rothschild came along and took it over. But the Scotsman set it up for them. Then another Scotsman was sent over to France, and that created the French bubble by doing the same thing there, by creating a bank for for France as well. So there's always been this this amazing secret society stuff within Scotland, uh, the Knights Templar. And then later on, down through the years, you have the, 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 the Masons coming forward, of course. And um, it's definitely all tied together somehow, yeah. That's incredible. I, I realised that was, most of that was true. I didn't realise that the Czech part you were saying, that was, that's incredible, actually. It originated there. That's what originated, yeah. Yeah, the Templars used to take in the gold, the gold coin, and so on. Even had the Treasury of England. They, they were in charge of, of taking it in, in their own little uh, special place where they, were, they guarded it. And you could go to the Middle East, and they give you a check, literally a check, uh, because, they, as I say, they did it on the open-air chessboard. It was a big thing. They used poles and pushed these checkers along the black and white squares. And they give you a check and say that's where your money is now, symbolizing their vault. And they give you a check in lieu and you took it to the Middle East and then you cashed it in there. <laughs> that, that's incredible. I had no idea that was the case. I had absolutely no idea. And that's why you got the Chancellor of the H-Checker. And the, and the English don't know it. The English don't know it. But I mean, what, they've never, never asked why the actual English flag is actually uh, it's a red cross. Yeah, yeah is that? That's it's a Templar cross. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I had absolutely no idea that was the case, to be honest with you. But one more quick question, Alan, if that's okay, then I'll, I'll, I'll take the answer off the air. Um, it's to do with the, the Scottish Freemasonry. Yeah. I've read some books, I don't know if they're true or, or misinformation or disinformation or plain like lies, but I've heard that the Knights Templar, um, once they were obviously cast out of France, come over to Scotland and established the Scottish Rate of Freemasonry. We know it's not really Scottish, we know that, but is that how it formed? And also, is the 33rd degree really the highest rank? Obviously, as in the public point of view, but is that really the highest rank? No. Uh, uh, the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry isn't Scottish. It actually is. A, it was given a charter by the Grand Orient Lodge of France. Uh, France, mind you, was given their charter by uh, the English Grand Lodge. So, But it really came from France, and it was a more atheistic uh, system than, than the English Lodge. They're all, they're all pals together, of course, but um, it was atheistic and it was definitely socialistic or communistic in its whole, uh, from, from the very beginning. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was a member of it, uh, but they called it the Scottish Rite of Freemasons because, uh, and it, it, it didn't start off in Scotland either. The French sent a, a guy over to the USA and he ended up in Charleston, South Carolina. And eventually they created the lodge there, and Albert Pike took it over, the, the actual great lodge for the Scottish Rare Freemasons, and they spread it across the world from the USA. But it's not Scottish at all. In fact, most, a lot of the Scots are actually members of the English Grand Lodge. Yeah, yeah I know that for a fact, actually. That's true. Um, that, that's incredible. I don't actually know what books to read and what books not to read, because there's so much disinformation and actual lies as well. I don't know what to read, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, there's so much tripe put out there. I mean, modern Freemasonry broke out in the 1700s. Now, there's always been the secret societies uh, all down through the ages. Whenever you get rich men coming together, they always make their little society secret uh, because they get rich by doing other folk in and, and uh, profiting off, in, off of misadventure or wars and things. So they create secret societies. But we do know that uh, the Templars were in Scotland by the evidence that was left behind, especially in Argyllshire uh, with the Templar graves and so on. And it's even thought they went over to the Americas, which I wouldn't be surprised if, it, if that isn't true. Uh, but they never did find their treasure. They had their own fleet, fleet of ships uh, when they sailed out of France. And uh, Philip the Fair was after them, of course, uh, because they were taking over massive uh, landed estates. When knights died off, uh, they would send out their emissaries to try to talk to the widow, and she would often sign over the lands to the Templars. They were taking over huge chunks of Scandinavia, Scotland, England, uh, and the rest of Europe, and paying no taxes, and they, financially they were becoming an incredibly powerful force to be reckoned with. Their symbol when they went, when they went on the sea uh, changed when they were cast out of France uh, to the skull and bones, the pirate flag. Yeah. 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 I think that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But you, have to, be, you have to be careful, as I say. Uh, remember, too, whatever Masons will, will put out themselves, even in their own books, has multiple, they'll have multiple meanings and often a lot of lies in it themselves because um, the, the true secrets of masonry are kept in, in higher Freemasonry. They don't care about the low stuff. Uh, the higher Freemasons, why do you think it's so secretive? You know, uh, I mean, the, under, behind, if they're really a charitable institution, why do you have to have secrets kept from the public? Well, it's, 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 charity is just a front and... Uh, but what you, you do know is it helps you get up the ladder. And every darn politician in Britain generally is a member of, of Freemasonry. It gets them up there, and then they can start scamming off the public purse. And nobody will, will, will uh, clipe on them because 
they stand up. They're, they're vowed to stand up for a brother, even in a court. So you have these born liars, basically, or at least they've been initiated liars, put it that way, and they, they run the darn system from top to bottom. And you, you pretty well have to be a member almost in Scotland to get anywhere in the system. Absolutely, Alan. You've nailed it again, but I'll certainly, I'll certainly look into a lot more than that. As I say, I can't read too much because there's, there's so much disinformation. I'll try and put a link up tonight to a series that was put out in Britain. It's on the internet, I think, on Freemasonry. And it shows you, yeah, yeah, you'll see all the scams at the pool and all the different county councils and so on, and it's just amazing. And the cops too, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. I would, I would appreciate that. Uh, thanks very much for your, for your help, Alan, as usual. It's a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, thanks for calling, yeah. And then there's, there's Glenn from Philadelphia. Are you there, Glenn? Good evening, Alan. Can yes. Me? Yes, I can, yeah. Uh, a bit hoarse. Um, I'm afraid I'm a bit of a contradiction for you. Um, on the organic issue, um, the term organic has to do uh, more with the way a crop is cultivated rather than its genetic makeup. So theoretically, you could have a genetically modified crop or seed. I, I, know, I know where you're going with this because, again, the further muddy that it's true, uh, uh, because it says organic doesn't mean it hasn't been GM tampered with. Precisely, precisely. Before and, you, and, in the beginning, of course, it really meant pure, normal, uh, but then again, they start to, to put, introduce the GM and says, okay, but we haven't used any pesticides on it. Uh, now, in fact, now, now they're even allowed to use. Typically, historically, organic means that it uses natural sources of fertilizer yeah. For, yeah. for nitrogen and nutrients rather than chemically created and, and, and pesticides and stuff like that. That's right. So that's the, that's the purest, you know, in mm-hmm. other words, so it wasn't uh, adulterated with uh, chemical fertilizers and, and pesticides. Yeah. So, but here, here in the U.S., it's a bit of a joke anyway because all these food stores have ever increasing sections of organic foods. But according to the Food and Drug Administration, the food can be like 75% non-organic and 25% organic, and they can still use the word. That, I know they changed it about a year ago or a year and a half ago. Uh, I noticed that, and I, I thought, wow, it's, what is, you know, Prince Charles has his own. He has about 25 farms with thousands of acres across Britain. And, and, yet, and he owns most of Archer Daniels Midland. That's right. And then you have the Weston family, too, that are into Monsanto, uh, Lord Weston. Uh, and uh, these characters are planned. They're taking over the whole world's food supply and promoting all the GM stuff for us. But they do have their own private farms across the planet. And their own dairy herds and, and beef herds. They've even showed you on television, BBC, uh, sometimes where they send the royal chef up before a big party and he picks out the, the royal Angus there and decides which ones are going to be killed. And these things, these things have never been, they've never touched anything that is generally modified whatsoever. Yeah, it's just astonishing. But you know what? They're not so invulnerable because when the radiation falls from the sky onto their grazing lands, they're going to be in a pickle just as well. Well, they're already a bit deformed, if you've noticed. Uh, I'd hate to see them in a few years' time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they, well, you know, anyway, they, they, they have a tendency to, uh, to mess themselves up with their stupid eugenics. Anyway, yeah. But yeah. Um, on a different note, real quick before I leave, I heard an, uh, an interesting tidbit on, um, on another radio program tonight. Supposedly, and this a recent development, the Chinese have divested themselves of 97% of their T-bills, American T-bills, yeah. which is, that's, that could have some profound economic implications. Uh, it will, uh, unless they've sold them to some other country. See, Japan used to hold them all. 
Japan, for, for oh, 30 years, really held American debt. And this is how they played the game. It was a game way above the, the, the public's knowledge. And, uh, and then, of course, when they built China up, they decided they'd give it to China instead, and they would hold on to it. But if it's moving around, it's probably going off to India and Brazil and elsewhere, where the money's getting pumped in through the UN and all the big corporations right now, because the, 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 the big powers that be have chosen those countries to be the up-and-coming nations of the future. So it'll be getting moved around in this massive, again, chessboard uh, of money. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The UN is constantly talking about world government, even in that article with all the quotes I put up yesterday. You hear that the bigwigs saying, we must have world government, we must have world government, you know, the mantra. And that's what it was designed to be anyway. And uh, one of the guys who set up the charter for the United Nations was a man, uh, his last name was Escott Reed. In Toronto, he worked with Lester Pearson, along with Alger Hiss, they drafted up the charter. They were all communists. And, uh, but, but in his book, um, A Canadian Diplomat at the United Nations, he says, our plan from the outset is to create a world government, he said. And he said it will be a socialist form. And he mentions collectivism and so on throughout his book as well. So from the very onset, it was designed to be a world government. And we're, we're going through the big uh, phases right now as we all suffer into austerity and our money gets pumped across the world because they did follow the Sovietized system of redistribution of wealth, according to Karl Marx. Uh, so we're going through all that right now. And your redistribution of wealth is actually going to the corporations that are building up these countries like Brazil and India and elsewhere. Yeah. Wow. Well, in the long run, they have to be deceived before they become deceivers, and they're going to find out in the long run that their buddy Lucifer is going to end up stabbing them in the back just as well. So. Well, I think they also say that God helps those that help themselves, and I think that's something that most Christians should start to, to learn once again by example, uh, they can't sit back and wait if they're following someone who was a, a guy of action. Uh, they, they've got to stand up and start condemning for a change, publicly condemning what's going on, uh, rather than waiting for all to be sorted out for them by, by you know. Uh, and so they, they have the tongues, they have the ability to do so, and they certainly have. That's the one thing they're terrified at the top of, and that's why there's been such an attack against religion, as, as uh, people often will put up with absolute hell and chaos, but, but you attack their beliefs and they'll, they'll fight wars over it. That's why religions have been under the gun through all the movies, all the, the books put out for, for generations now. Yeah. Well, Jefferson put that in the Declaration of Independence, that people are inclined to suffer abuses you know, mm-hmm. while they're sufferable, but there will come a breaking point. But people should be prepared. I mean, if you do open your mouth and if you do make a stand, well... The price may be death, and one should simply count the cost before entering into that fray. How many times have we seen whistleblowers killed, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you have to pay the price for speaking the truth, and it has to get to the point where the person's finally willing to do that. Well, it's actually the same as Gandhi. What Gandhi actually said, he said that everyone who, who knows what's right must stand up expecting to be killed. Expecting to be killed. He says that was what his real movement was all about. He thought lots of them were going to be massacred. Some of them were. And he said, he said, those who can't face that prospect uh, can do a more peaceful protest. But he says the rest of us must be prepared to be killed. And, and that's what he was telling, that's what his real message was. It wasn't all pacifist. It, it, it was just the opposite, in fact. Right. Uh, I, know you know, you're not a Christ, I know you're not a Christian, per se, but I am. So Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body and having done so can do nothing yeah. more. You know? yeah, they, they, but fear well, those who can catch body and soul into hell. 
That's right. Uh, they can they can destroy the soul. We can give our own soul up as far as I'm concerned. You see it in the eyes of people all around you. You'll see it in, people, in countries that have already been devastated by by wars and famine and all the rest of the stuff that's forced upon them from outside. Uh, you'll see that, and, and it's a form of destroying the soul. But uh, And these guys at the top, believe you me, are awfully good at it. But uh, it's up to everyone to, to stand up and, and be counted because you're all going into the same corner. We're all getting put into the same corner here. And when you're ready to do something about it, you'll be either too weak weak or sick or starved or, uh, to, to, to do anything at all. And that's why you're being, uh, that's why everyone's being entertained into this corner here. Everything's wonderful according to the news and uh, lots of entertainment. But no, the reality is we're going to get really put into the, the corner in a, a big bad way shortly. And there's already people suffering across the world because of this new world order. All the first world countries have to go down. I mean plummet down, plummet down into poverty. And uh, it's not going to be pleasant. You know. One may not be standing when one is counted because in the long run these guys are going to do a head count only. They want to kill us anyway. Remember, remember that. I mean, they want to kill us anyway. And they've said so. That last Lucky Gene Club, they actually said that we've had gradual depopulation. They're talking about sterility, by the way. That's what they mean. That's what we mean by that. Now we want rapid depopulation. And this is what they're after now. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Just before I go to Kay in California, I just mentioned to Adam in Scotland there that the Scottish Rite of Freemasons, uh, which really was uh, from France, the, the, the Grand Lodge of France, Grand Orient Lodge, uh, they set up in Charleston, South Carolina on the, th- the 32nd degree. That's why they put it there, 32nd degree. 33rd degree is honorary title. 32nd degree is generally the, the higher ones. They also call it the Rite of Perfection, by the way, for, for those who don't know. So is Kay from California on the line there? Hi, Alan. Hello. Hi, Alan. Yes. Um, okay, so it's nice to talk to you. I hardly ever get to listen to you live, so this is nice. I have a couple of questions. One is um, you had mentioned long ago, like maybe as much as six or seven months ago, something about Eleanor Roosevelt that she had written somewhere that yeah. she admired Pavlov. And I was wondering yeah. if you could tell me, say again where that uh, what book that was from? It was one of her own books. She wrote a, cell, a biography, and in, in the front, just inside the front cover, she had the genealogical tree, by the way, for family lineage, showing that the Roosevelt's were connected to the, the Schacht family that funded Hitler initially. And but also she went into her trip to Russia, and uh, and why and she went to see her favorite person that was Pavlov. And how, he, under his system, the school system he'd introduced there, using behaviorism and more, uh, social engineering, basically, the children were so well behaved. I can't remember the actual title. I do have it somewhere in a box in the basement, amongst a thousand others. Uh, but um, I, well, I might, might try be able and to get it. that at, at a bookstore or online and Amazon or something like that. Do you think? Yes, I don't think she wrote that many books actually. So you could always look it up and see what's out there and uh, what the titles are. And I should tell you on her tri- about her trip to Russia. That will give you the clue which one to buy. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then I had a couple questions. I know there's a uh, little time, so I'll be quick. Um, 
The other question is uh, on these things that are going on in the world, lots of animals dying and, um, you know, suddenly and that sort of thing, washing up on shore, the birds falling out, etc. Mm-hmm. Has anyone noticed or mentioned that it appears to be, to me at least, DNA specific? It's only, seems to be like one kind of bird or one kind of fish or all, has has anyone noticed that or am I off the track, do you think? Well, I've heard a hundred different sides of this, even from uh, specialists in, in fisheries, uh, and uh, they go on about the increased uh, types of, of specific times, types at certain times of the year, etc., etc., and sometimes it's common, etc., etc., etc. However, with the birds, we do know that the harp technology does, it also does it with whales too, by the way, anything that tracks through, uh, they've got tiny magnetites in their, in, their, in their brain, basically, and that's how they guide themselves to where they're going. And the harp technologies they're using now in weather warfare definitely uh, interfere with them. It took many years, and I was seeing it for years, that the technology that was guiding the submarines was ELF, electromagnetic frequency pulses we're using for submarines. And we always saw the whales and dolphins beaching themselves when these things were in use. Uh, and uh, the, the, the military kept denying any responsibility. They put out disinfo. It could be a virus in the brain and so on, putting their guidance system off. It was actually all of the system to guide the sub- underwater submarines into into base and, and so on. That's what was doing it. So the, the fish were literally, and, and the mammals were literally following the beams uh, and, and right onto the land, trying to get to where the source was. <laughs> so that, that's a, an established fact now, yeah. So there's so much going on now with the highest sciences, honestly. Um, we'll never get admissions till maybe 20 years down the road. And by that time, we'll all be chipped and we won't care anyway. <laughs> but thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>